This is the uh, final car cast before the uh, the bye week, which is uh, starts up six days off after today's victory against the Edmonton Oilers, a five to one victory where John Klingberg, Alexander Radulov, and Tyler Stegen all had uh, all had a goal and two assists, and uh, you know what? It's uh, a good feeling for the Stars heading into uh, a couple days off, into five days off here. It's a very good feeling, and more so because they're 6-2-2 two, and two in their last 10 games and have crossed the 50-point plateau, which is really good because guess what? When they come out of the break, they're going to have a lot of games quickly, and they're going to have to be ready to play because... It's, they're going to lose some ground on teams that are playing while they have that week off. So to, they will, But then they'll get a chance to redeem themselves against when they play games when the other teams are having their bye weeks, because they're all in the next couple of weeks. And so don't worry about the standings while you're off, but you better worry about the games while they're off, because that's your chance to make up so it doesn't matter. And there's really only so many games a team can actually play during your bye week. So a team, another team, I think the most a team could play during your respective bye week is four, right? Like, it's not like a team is going to go play right, five or six games. If you play four games and win all four, that's eight points. That's yeah. a huge change well, in standings because usually you don't make those kind of quick changes because other teams are playing and you maybe put one or two point increments slowly over time. Yes. But it's... Uh, it's a good way for the Stars to go into the break. Um, it was an early game, a 2 o'clock start, and uh, you know what? In the, uh, the guy who really woke everyone up and really set the tone for everything in the first period was Alexander Regula. Man, he was inspiring today, wasn't he? First period, just got everybody going. He was off to a, just a fast start, and off he went. And the team followed. And that top line was so dominant in the first period. I, they probably could have continued it further if they had to, but when they were up 4 nothing early, it, I think everybody kind of pulled back on the throttle and said, right, let's just manage this game. Because mm -hmm. you're up 4 nothing, You don't have to take the energy to them. No. You've already dominated. Now just don't make any mistakes. Yep. And uh, they pretty much did that. That's what they did. And they, it was a, uh, they got the lead, and they did exactly what uh, their coach wanted from them. Um, you had... 3-0 at the end of the first period. It was 4-0 relatively early in the second. Um, and then you managed the game. And Ben Bishop faced 38 shots, but it was not a... Uh, I mean, he had the difficult save in the first period where he made a save on a rebound. Um, but overall, it wasn't the most difficult 37 save night. No, the shots on goal did not accurately reflect the chances and the quality because... In the first period, for example, statistically, the Oilers outshot the Stars 14 to 11. Dallas had 29 attempts to just 19 for Edmonton, which means that the Oilers blocked. I think they had 14 block shots in the first period. That sounds amazing. Right. It was so Dallas actually had a lot of. So that's why we start talking about SAT shot attempts, not just shots, because the Stars actually had quite a few blocked, and they had a lot more possession than just shots on goal would indicate. And they actually led in scoring chances by the end of the period. Yes, I think it was nine to four, nine to five, something like that. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look at my notes. But basically, it was a lot 
more Stars domination than if you looked at the shots and said, wow, 14 to 11 Edmonton, yet they're down three to nothing. It was because it wasn't just Stars on their uh, opportunistic chances. They outplayed them now, after five minutes or so. Because the beginning of the game was Edmonton was a, had a better start. Yeah, Edmonton had a better first five minutes, but then Dallas was the better team for the rest of the. Uh, Agreed. The rest, the rest of the game, really, um, and then. Well, and talking about Bishop's performance, he made some very good saves. The one he kind of did it to himself in the first period. Late in the first period, a uh, big hard shot by yeah. um, by Lucic, and he kicked it. Out. I, I don't know if I'd fault him for the rebound because Lucic really hit it hard. The, but he made a very nice rebound save on Pulio Yarvi. Yeah, that, I, that was his best save of the night. That was his best save of the night there, and that was the save where it was two. It was two nothing at that point. It was right before the Stars were about to go up three nothing. Um, it was a uh, that was a big save in the in the scheme of things because who knows. Edmonton scores there, makes it two to one. Um, who knows what could happen? The after that top line, um, which didn't start together tonight, Brett Ritchie actually started the game on that top line. But after two shifts, didn't last long. Did it? Didn't last long. Brett Ritchie gets moved down. Uh, Radulov back on the top line, and um, Don't mind Sean's uh, train of thought. He is, uh, as a, I should say, appropriately trying not to crash right now. Appropriately, With yes. some traffic. See, ordinarily the Stars play evening games, and when we are headed home... There's no traffic. Traffic is light because it's 11.45 to 12.30 or so, and, mm -hmm. and we can just fly along. But there's actually cars on the road, so uh, our car cast is slightly derailed. Not derailed, but uh, interrupted by what I think is the more important thing than professionalism on a podcast, which is personal safety. I really don't know how. If you, I really don't know how people have drive at this time of day at a normal hour. This is a Saturday, and I'm complaining. Saturday at six forty, and the merges of highways. Yeah. Which can be fun. Yeah. Yeah, and I lost my train of thought. We're uh, talking about Ben Bishop and his best save against the, oh, the RV. second effort of Pull Your RV. As this car tries to cut you off, don't want to do the left lane though. Yeah, uh, that's the first time I've commented on our car cast about your actual driving, not just somebody else's driving. No. Swervy McSwerverson, one-handed while he holds the recorder. Not a great idea. I should hold the recorder, but it's Sean's recorder, so he's been re reluctant to relinquish. You have some text while you're doing. Well, right? not normally, but I am right now. So, multitasking. Multitasking. Let's use euphemisms. Like, uh, for example, um, we were talking. You want a, want a digression since you're driving? Yes, this is a digression. Euphemistic language. I was. Tr we have fish that somehow managed to reproduce, even though we didn't think we had uh, both genders. Okay. We didn't have anywhere to put them because they were overpopulating our tank. Well, I found out what that one of the local pet store chains adopts the fish and then sells them. And uh, they take the adopted fish, they sell them at a reduced price, and then give the money to charity. So they say. I said, I don't care if you keep the money. I just want to not massacre. You, you want less fish. fish. I, I want less fish. I don't want to kill them. And if they can go to a good home, great. Well, <laughs> the euphemistic corporate language that was used in the job titles, right? Not the aquarium people, fish, fish 
fish uh, department. Mm -hmm. It was aquatic specialists. Okay. So uh, you go into the store and either talk to the aquatic specialist or the uh, cr uh, the creative animal services coordinator. I don't even know what that means, but creative I found them. Animal services coordinator. And then I said, uh, and he said, if you can't get either one of those, you have to go up the leadership chain. And I said, oh, you mean like the store manager? No, no, the leadership chain. We don't use store managers anymore? I guess he's the manager, but it just, it was entertaining because this is massive euphemistic language. I'm a huge George Carlin fan. He does some great stand-up bits, or did, uh, posthumously now, but just brilliant things like, why is toilet paper bathroom tissue? Yep. And, and on, 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 I could go on, but this is a car cast about the Dallas Stars, well, so to speak. It, it is sometimes. Uh, <laughs> from time to time. Um, yeah, and so the stars go into the break. They have uh, a relatively good spot going in. And I wrote about this, and it's something that it's kind of interesting to think about, because this is not the... The halfway point was after the game against um, New Jersey. Uh, game against Columbus was game 41. Right, so then you have 41 games to go. So the stars play the Devils. It was the first game of the second half, technically. So this was... Um, well, we're already technically into the second half. This buys kind of a good halfway point to break it down. One thing that becomes interesting, and it's an, interesting, and it's a debate that's come up on Twitter, and we've had this discussion in press boxes, and we even asked Jamie Ben about it after the game today. Um, halfway point of the season, John Klingberg is leading all defensemen in points by eight. He's got 39 after if, today. If he keeps this pace up long enough, he will lap the field. Yes. I kind of want to see that. He's got um, the after the after him. Uh, John Carlson has 31, eight behind, and um, uh, Shane Gostisbehere also has uh, has 30, I believe. Um, might be off by one on that, but um, it starts to bring up the question because points are a big point of a war of a uh, of awards, and is John Klingberg a Norris candidate? We were talking about that on the post-game show. Somebody asked us on the on the ticket about that via Twitter. And I think that if he wins the scoring title for defenseman, it'll get him in the top three in the finalist category. Mm -hmm. But it's the it's the age-old argument of does Eric Carlson deserve to be a Norris Trophy winner because he scores points or do more all-around defensemen? And I don't know if I... I think Carlson has evolved and he deserves to be called an all-around him. But there was a time where he was big time offensively and they questioned his plus minus and defensive Well, so. the, the year, the, Eric Carlson in the case, is the year he won his first Norris, they were like, did we just give this to him because he was offensively? And then the year he didn't win it was the yes. year that they, he was actually, he was actually better, better. He was a better defenseman than I he think, was. You know, Bruce brought up, he said that he doesn't think that Klingberg will win a Norris this year regardless of scoring. I said, what if he laps the field? He said, no. Because, because the voters, it's not because of what he thinks, it's, it's what he thinks the media that vote on that selects. So like, so he suggests players like Dowdy, Victor Hedman, uh, you know, Ryan Suter, really complete players that can do all things, uh, get more consideration because they think about to shut down defensive play as well as offense. It was, it was interesting because I was talking to the one media member amongst our group 
who has actually, a vote. Who actually has a vote in this. I'm um, going to guess Scott Burnside. Scott doesn't have a vote. Oh, he doesn't? No. Uh, oh, no, John Shannon. No. Oh, Hyka. Mike Hyka is the Third only... time's a charm. Yes. Mike Hyka... Is John Shannon there today? I didn't... If he was he has to have a vote. Uh, well, he can have a vote. He can have a vote. Scott... Why uh, can't he? But No, no, he can have a vote. Oh, he can, yeah. but you don't know. So, Mike Hyka is the only uh, member of the media who was there tonight who... Uh, from the Dallas media community no, that has, has a vote in the uh, PHWA for the Norris Trophy. Um, I am not allowed to vote because since I since part of my work is for the NHL website, right. I am barred from joining the and PHWA. Burnside working for and the so, Stars yeah, probably is the same Exactly. Thing. So both Scott and Mark, uh, both, both Scott Burnside and Mark Stamneski, they can't vote for the Norris Award because uh, they work for, the team, for, for, for an individual team. Right. So... They are not allowed to join the PHWA either, which is kind of interesting since Scott is actually former president of the uh, PHWA. Crazy, isn't it? So, um, so the Dallas chapter of the PHWA, actually, for those who are wondering, it consists of Mike Heike and um, I'm drawing a blank on Daryl uh, Houston, who writes for Roto World, who is the, uh, he is, uh, Daryl's good people, but Daryl is uh, someone who... He is the only other person who is a member of the PHWA in Dallas, and those are the only people in Dallas who can vote on it. So I asked now, if you, at some point, uh, developed the upset to a large enough subscription base that you decide to do that full-time and not write for the NHL, would you then be able to join the PHWA? I would then be able to at that and point. And possibly have a vote. Yes, but as long as I'm getting a paycheck or work from, from the, the NHL league. website, I'm not be able to... Uh, such a trade-off. Do you want to get paid or have a vote for some awards? I know. My mortgage is important. Yeah, um, I, I, would, I think you're making the right choice. So, um, I was talking to Mike about this, um, and he brought up a good point. It's something I knew about, but it was interesting just talking about it. It's The thing that's going to hold John Klingberg back is his time on ice. Right, because he's not... With, with, with the fact that Hitch talked about with practice yesterday, he said one of the great things about Mathot coming back in, we'll talk about that more in yeah. a moment, but um, is that he can be more of a penalty killer that means that Klingberg can play, doesn't have to kill as much, which means he'll get more power play time, but it also means that the Stars are keeping him in the low to mid-20s instead of the 27-28 range, which is where the elite number one Norris Trophy candidates usually are at, right? The yeah. near 30-minute guys. If typically guys who are winning the Norris Trophy are... Although, they are getting... That 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 amount of ice time is, is going down. It is going You're down. You're not seeing as many one, number one pairings playing 30 minutes. But it's still in the 26-minute range. It's yeah. still in the 25, 26-minute range, and John's in the 20-minute range. But you know what? If the Stars have success and he continues this point production... At some point, you're going to go, geez, if he gets 70 points, I don't know if that's a, a good number or not, right? I mean, he just had 39. We're just past halfway. He could hit 70. But his but his point totals, to me, depend on how far ahead he is of the field. Because if he's got... What if he has a 20-point gap on the field? 20. That'd be a huge gap. That'd be a huge gap. But you're right. I, I don't know if... Here's a. Uh, I, I pose this to Bruce because Norris, it, it's halfway. Yeah. He should be in the, the discussion, but it's way too early to make any bold assumptions because you have half a season left. Correct. So let's 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 discuss John Klingberg in the next context, which is the All Star Game. Yes. Should he be now? The All Star Game is different now because they play in four divisions, so it's not just 
one representative from every team and then fill in with the appropriate guys. It makes it a little harder because you have to have a player from every team and you only get so many from each and, and, and division. So this, this is a good point. So this is so okay, let's let's play this exercise here. Yes. Um, should John Klingberg be in the all-star game? Unequivocally yes. Yes. Unequivocally no, yes. No. Will Unequ he? Unequivocally yes. No. So the problem is only three defensemen from the Central Division are in the All-Star And one of them is already picked. And one of them is already picked, and it's P.K. Subban. Because he was voted as the captain. He was voted the captain right. of the team. So if you take a look at it... So Bruce and I actually did this quick exercise okay. on the radio side. Okay. He just looked at the names of the teams. He said, okay, let's start with Winnipeg. Okay. I don't see a defenseman on Winnipeg that deserves to be there over Klingberg. Well, who goes from Winnipeg? Well, let's play it this way. If you're, if you're going right. snap reaction, well, who goes from Winnipeg? I mean, I have to look at their stats just to sort of think about it. But I, if he was healthy, it would be Mark Scheifele. Okay, so no doubt. Or it's or, or line A or line A or, or Wheeler. It, it's it's a I mean it's a forward from Winnipeg. It, it's a forward. Well, actually no. Let me back up. If it's Winnipeg, it's Connor Hellebuck. Hey, is there any goalie in the Central Division that's been better than Hellebuck right now this year? No, that's a no, so a, so Hellebuck is number one. It's okay. Boom. There you go. Yeah. You may get two from Winnipeg because they've had a really good year. Maybe a four. I don't think there's a defenseman. Yes. But Hellebuck is one of your goalies. He has to. Be. Yes. Okay. So now you look at Nashville. You already have Subban. They're going to get another guy. Is it Pecorini? Yeah. Pecorini hasn't had that great so of a year. So what about a forward? Uh, Phil Forsberg, Victor Arvidsson, Kevin Fiala, Ryan Johansson, Kyle Turris. I mean, they've got great names. Mm -hmm. So let's say they pick one of those guys. Okay. Yes. I don't think Roman Yossi, who's a fantastic defenseman, has had the kind of year that merits being there along with over Klinger. True, true. Okay, so now you move on. To St. Louis, Alex Petrangelo, Victor. Bruce posed this question: Petrangelo or Tarasenko? Um, I think you have. Uh, if there was the choice between those two, if you're building the right, I mean, it's. It's. I don't. This. This is where it gets tricky because you're not trying to pick to make the best three-on-three -three roster. No, you're trying to get. You're trying everything. to make sure you get one from every, every team. team. And you only get six, three, and, and two. Well, and I think the thing is, I think it becomes Petrangelo because it opens up more spots in forwards. Because there's right. other teams where I don't see you have the the defense to for a guy in there. So, and you know who else is in that category this year? Chicago. Yeah. Because Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook are fantastic defensemen with great resumes. Mm -hmm. They don't have the stats and the the season success so far to depose John Klingberg, in my opinion, or Subban, or Petrangelo. Now, Petrangelo's been great. Yeah. So, okay, so let's move them aside. So, so Colorado, no. No defenseman from Colorado. Now here's the question. Annually, you talk about Minnesota, and you mentioned Ryan Suter. Yes. He could be a guy, but and Bruce looked at me and said, well, who's having a better year? I said, well, Eric Stahl's actually putting up some pretty good numbers. Goaltending-wise, it could be Jake Allen, along with Hellebuck. It could be Ben Bishop. He's got great wins. Uh, his goals and save percentage not amazing, but he's high in... in and, and it won't be Corey Crawford, because Corey Crawford's hurt. Crawford's been hurt, so he, if he was healthy, it'd probably be Crawford. Because he had some really good numbers. Yeah. Um, so there's that. I don't know. I'm not sure where we go next from that. Because from a, a defensive standpoint, I, I, again, Suter, great body of work, but uh, I don't know. 
and, 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 that, and that's the wrench that P.K. Subban throws by in the opening All-Star game. See, P.K. Subban is a player the NHL obviously wants in their All-Star game. Right. Um, and he's the captain, and so that's in the All-Star game from the fans. But Do you think Subban would get the nod if he wasn't voted in? Uh, I think I would take Roman Yossi over P.K. Subban this year. Really? Yes. Okay. So is that, if you would do that, does that mean that Yossi, you disagree with my take that he hasn't been good enough to depose Klingberg, or could Yossi also make the team? Well, that's the problem. That's that the problem. It would be very easy for the All Star Selection Committee or whatever it is, the NHL, the league picks it, mm-hmm. is to go with one of them and pick Ben or Sagan or both. Yes. Or even Radulov, mm-hmm. and leave Klingberg off. Yep. But I, I don't like it. I think he. I, don't, he I, don't abs- like, I think he should. Be I, I don't. I don't like it either. But I. I look at it where it's Nashville. I. I would take. I would take Yossi over Subban for, just okay. for based off their performance this season. I would take Yossi over Subban. Yeah. And that's not. And now we're not picking. I don't think that should be a reason to. A reason to take Klingberg out of it, and I don't agree with that at all. But it's something where you never know. People, other people selecting could be well. If we have was the second best defenseman on this team, how do we not have the first best? Right. That's right. It's just it's, I understand it's, it's that something logic. that you could run into. I'm not arguing for it. I'm just. So then. By the way, if you're wondering why there's sudden pauses, is because I'm trying to tell Sean to go straight and then make a left because this is a faster lane. And now we got it. So the car cast is an interesting uh, carpooling thing because we actually used to live very close to each other. Mm-hmm. So we drive the same way. It'd be a few minutes apart, right? We're about 10 minutes away. And so I would drive to your house and then one of us would drive. Yes. And I'd leave my car there, or I'd pick you up, and off we go. Now we live far enough apart that the guy that's driving should probably just pick the other guy up because it doesn't make sense for the other guy to go to that. It's out of the way. So the odd way of working that is that you end up driving my normal route. And you drive my normal route. And I drive your normal route. So that as you're driving, I'm the one having to hand signals to say, no, go this way, go that way. I know the intricacies of traffic here. Mm -hmm. Just like when I'm driving you... You do the 35 corridor a lot more than I do. Correct. So anyway, now that you know why Sean lost his train of thought twice and <laughs> almost stopped talking for 15 seconds, there it is. Yes. So let's move on to Mark Mathot. Mark I'll, I'll take the reins here as as the uh, experienced host on okay. this. Mark Mathot surprised all of us, or the team did, by not coming out for the start of the game. Mm-hmm. At first we wondered if it might be a uh, roster error when it was announced that he'd be a skirt, the rosters came up and it yeah, was... Yeah, the roster was, sheet came out. And, and so we all waited, although the writers all tweeted, you and Mark and Mike and Scott and Matt, all tweeted that he's not on the roster, let's see if he comes out for the start of the game. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, as they came out, it was Honka. Yes. And then the stars sort of walked around, I think you, they told you before they told us, Yes. our booth is farther away, mm-hmm. that... He was feeling some soreness, Mathot. Yes. And that they decided to hold him out and that Honka said. That was pretty apparent. But what was more interesting was what Hitch said after the game, that Mathot was feeling some soreness after a game and then a relatively hard practice on Friday, yesterday. Mm -hmm. 
and that they came back today. There's no morning skate today because it's an early game. So yeah. rather than say, you know, this was something that Mathot might have said, I feel some soreness. They're going to go morning skate, and then he's that we'd find out there's a question mark. Yeah. Especially because Mathot might not have skated the morning skate today, and then we go, hey, what's the deal? Yeah. So it's not a major deal. They, because they have a bye week coming up. And the Stars decided to be caught precautionary by holding him out. And Hitch said, yep, he'll play the next game, and, no problem. And, and it's a lesson that, frankly, they haven't been like that this season. We think about Martin Hansel, who has been rushed back a couple times. And then a couple of times, he, because he's had enough instances of being injured, he's had a couple where they rushed him back, and then they've twice now taken their time. Mm -hmm. Or so they've told us. Yes. That... We waited longer because we didn't want a recurrence. And so it looks like Hansel's in pretty good shape the last couple of games since coming back. Yeah. It looks, he looks very good. That yeah. pass to Yanmark for the goal. It was uh, a very, Thursday very nice play. Unbelievably good. So much fun. Like it's, yeah, he, he's been playing better. He's been playing well. He actually looks like he's healthy. Yeah. Um, and But then so we get to Mathot, who did not take, they had Honka take warm-ups, but Honka did not take warm-ups like he was going to play at all. No, but Thought did the line rushes, which are usually the indication of who's yeah. in and who's out. Honka was just juggling pucks around center ice. But um, it's, I mean, I, I said to Bruce, as we were still on the air, waiting to see, it's a sign, and then we found out from Hitch later, it was a sign that this there was something was bothering Mathot before warm-ups began, because had this not occurred, I don't know if the Stars necessarily would have made Honka skate the warm-up. He, right? he took warm-ups the other game. Because sometimes players, they'll have a player do that. And I understand. I think on Thursday it's a good idea because you have Mathai getting ready to play his first game in a while. Let's just be safe. They don't always make the guys that aren't playing the scratches skate warm-ups and then come out. But some guy also on the flip side of that, um, and this is a conversation now, Greg Pattern hasn't had to worry about this now for months, but... Since I, I the had, first few weeks of the but season. But I had this conversation with Greg Pattern at one point where Greg Pattern basically kind of had, when he was basically the eighth defenseman, Yes. they basically gave him full permission to skate take warm-ups whenever he wanted, even though he wasn't going to play. Right. And there was, so there would be times where Pattern would take them just to stay in a rhythm. There would be times where he wouldn't take them. And just to get out on the ice with the team. Yeah. And right? so... Be a part of things? I believe that as long as they're giving Honka a choice, Honka will be out there because Honka... You, you have to drag Honka off the ice. You have to drag yeah. Honka off and the ice. I say rink rat in a very endearing term. It's He loves to practice. He loves to mess around. And he will stay late and work on skills well after practice. He's always, on a practice day, the last guy off the ice. Honka told me during the upcoming bye week he plans to skate three or four times. Most of those guys <laughs> might not skate at all. And do some off-ice workouts. Yeah, there'll be a couple. There be a couple guys like there. There might be one informal. I know there was a talk of having an informal skate halfway through. If for there's guys, guys that are sticking around. So for guys who some of the guys who are in town, um, but no one like Honka told me. No one Honka was the only one who told me he's gonna he's gonna skate three or four times during the because Julius Honka doesn't do anything other than hockey. Really, that's yes. I mean that's just uh, eats, breathes, sleeps it. Mm -hmm. So. So does Alex Radulov, but he'll be on a beach. Yes. It's going to be harder to get ice there, so maybe some beach workouts. Yeah, I asked Hitch about it today, and Hitch kind of didn't really give me the answer I was looking for for the quote I was looking for. Mm -hmm. But I asked Hitch today about if having an early game like this, um, and it's not overly early, but having it's 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 not like an 11 a.m. start or anything like that, but having a 2 o'clock start with the type of jolt that Radulov can pr provide. Yep. 
I asked him, and I thought it did. I, and from my point of view, I thought... Get, get the guys going. I thought having a player like that has more of an impact in an early game, earlier in the day, to get guys going where it's not, where people's routines are off. are off a little bit. And yeah. I, think, I think he could have had more of an impact in the first period tonight than in a typical game just by... Look, hey, he's up and going. We've all got to get up and going. It's Maybe not a little a... bit the opponent too. Yes, because I think that Edmonton is in a fragile state. They their their media has suggested as such. Yes, and they said that their shootout win at home over Anaheim on Thursday was a big win for a fragile team, and they had lost four in a row coming out of the break after winning four in a row going into the break. Mm -hmm. It's like they came out of the break and forgot how to play or what was winning. Stars did that with their first game and then found their feet again and off they go. So, yeah, I, perhaps maybe against a different team it's that's a having a better season and a little bit more used to not panicking, mm -hmm. uh, it wouldn't have had such a big impact because, boy, did the start when Stars got going, Edmonton had no answer for a while. Oh, no, it took the all. second period for them to find an answer. Yeah, and... Edmonton, even when they did have an answer, it wasn't enough. It was that by that time it was too late. Right. And um, did you notice Connor McDavid tonight? I mean, that's the thing. Like you think about yes. it. Yes. Like you know, but, you know, in general. But like, not. Like, I mean, he didn't. Dom he didn't take over the game at any point. There were a few moments where he made he made one play where he rounded Ben Bishop mm -hmm. and threw it back through the crease, back toward his own blue line because he eluded Bishop and got around him, but he was already below the goal line. and So there's no way he was going to score unless he tried to bank it, and he centered it and went right back north or south, depending on which way you're aiming. Um, and then I noticed him because he was involved with a, a dust-up behind the Stars' net that led to matching penalties with he I did not understand the matching Dan part Hamus. of that. I did not understand the matching part of that. And you know what it led to? Klingberg's 4-4 four four goal. It did, but I did not understand the matching part of that penalty. I did not understand why... That comes out matching where Hamhus is kind of prone on the ice. They're battling for position. Hamhus is kind of basically clogging up time, and McDavid basically kind of gives him a shiver to the back of the head. Right. Like, and I was, I did and not. You notice that well after the whistle, Lucic came in and gave Roussel a shot to the cross check to the lower back. Yeah. Well behind the play. Well after, obviously, and the referee's standing right there. Eh, nothing. Yeah, I did not. Again, that's that's also because it's Roussel, but Lucic is a large individual. <laughs> he has a lot of strength and weight behind him, and that cross check was not a love tap. No, no, no. And so the stars, like whatever the stars took advantage of the four on four, but I didn't like that they that that was a situation where referees like, don't seem to like to excuse me do that when there's a cluster is to pick out one guy. They always like to try to even it up, and that brings a long time irritant of mine and yours and yes. many others is. That when they try to not influence the game by keeping things even, it actually by it, it's the same thing of by not making a decision, you make a decision, right? By not choosing to make a, a, a call on one guy or calling both to not pull it out, you're influencing the game just in a different way, and that's not how officiating should be. You know, and I always say that if if one team is undisciplined enough to give the other team seven power plays to one, then they should. It should be seven to one. It shouldn't be three to three. 
because that's changing the game because you're almost rewarding the undisciplined team because you don't want to give one team five more power plays. Yeah, and, and some guys are actually very good at intentionally getting someone. Like, I remember back to, uh, it's a veteran move to try, like, um, it was actually the time the Stars had the five-on-three against in overtime where Dan Hamhuis gets the penalty, and he knows he's going. He knows yep. the refs aren't going to call a second penalty. Right. So he intent. I can't remember which player it was, but he intentionally basically just tried to draw him into... Right, and that happens a lot now. You'll see that a lot of times players are smart enough to recognize what the other guy's trying to do. There's a delayed call and you can see it. So then they get angry face and they start going after the victim of their penalty to see if they can draw them into slashing back. And Most of the time you'll see a smile. Because the thing is, retaliatory penalties usually happen when a, a... original infraction goes uncalled. Yes. And so if the officials see it, and what's one of the reasons why we're seeing less than we used to of the retaliation penalties mm-hmm. is because we the there's two referees now. There's yeah. another set of eyes. When there used to be one ref in a game, there's only so much of the ice you can see. If he's skating up one way, behind him you're not seeing them. With two referees, it gives an opportunity for one ref. He doesn't have to chase the play as much. You can see more. And so you don't see a lot of the, or as much of the I got caught cross-checking a guy because he slashed me and nobody saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I, I, but the good thing is the Stars took advantage of the four-on-four there. Yes, I mean, it goes back. Didn't to score a power play goal for the first time in eight games when they've had an opportunity. Because mm-hmm. if you remember the other night, they didn't get they a power play, happen, yeah. and that was against Columbus. But they had scored in seven straight games where they had at least one power play opportunity. Tonight was the first they didn't. Their first power play, which was in the opening period, was abysmal. Yeah. Didn't look good at all. Didn't have zone time. Remember, the Oilers were the worst penalty kill in the NHL. But their second power play, which came all the way late in the third period, actually looked really good. They just didn't score. Yeah. Great zone time. And uh, we were talking about Klingberg and Mathot and the ice time changes. Klingberg played both basically what, a minute 45 or so of the power play? He played the first unit, and then he stayed out with Honka as part of the second group. Did you, I think we're going to see more of that. Did you see? Uh, yes. Right? If he Hitch, has the energy, why would you not want John Klingberg on the point? And Hitch has said he's going to do that. He's yep. gonna, he's gonna, he wants him to play at least 90 seconds yep. in the two-minute power play. Um, it also sets up nicely for being able to set up a fresh defensive pairing after, yes. after the, you know, in the final 15 or 20 seconds so that if the you don't score on the power play, you've got a group ready. Yep. Yep, and they have the uh, the other thing that you have had from the night, and I wanted to give note of it because no one really wrote about it or talked about it, but tonight was the night where, and this is why I'd asked about McDavid, is I thought the... I thought the Fox Align tonight was did a great job, actually. I thought the Fox and Line did a great job tonight in negating the McDavid line. Maybe why you didn't notice him. Yeah, no, exactly. That's what I was the point I was trying to make. The interesting comment that Hitch made in regards to that after the game was, it's not just those three, it's those five. Mm-hmm. Referencing Hamus and Patterson and saying they really play well as a unit. And that is interesting, too, because if that's their best shutdown line and their best shutdown D, why, aren't they, why wouldn't they play as a group? No, it, it makes sense. They do play together quite often. And it also frees up maybe their offensive pairing of Klingberg and Lindell or in Klingberg with Dodd of, of being able to jump forward against the, not the other team's best offensive group, which is was the McDavid line tonight. And it gave 
Ben Sagan Radulov, they scored two goals against the third line for Edmonton, which is not a Foxa style line, mm -hmm. right? It's uh, Dreisaitl, because Dreisaitl's been up in the top six here, but he was the third line center with Kajula and Slepeshev. A skating third line, not a punishing, forechecking, yeah. bruising third line. And so they scored two goals against them, and then they scored one against the second line, the Nugent Hopkins line. Yeah. Nugent Hopkins had a terrible game. Really? Uh, he, had, no, he, he, did not he had a couple good, offensive chances, I noticed. He had a rough night. They had a rough night overall. You think so? Yeah. Um, they were victimized for all two of the three goals in the first period, and then... No, uh, one of the three. Oh, and then, they, then it was the Yanmark goal against them, That too. was the yeah, second yeah, one. Yeah, second, yeah. The, the, the Drysaddle was on for two of the yeah. three in the first. Yeah. It was amazing that Drysaddle today was Drysaddle's first power play goal of the season, actually. That's, a, that's surprising. Like, first power play goal of the season for All Dreisaitl. that offense? Well, that's the other thing is... Look at all that talent. McDavid, you have uh, Lucic in front. You have Patrick Maroon, who was, of course, suspended today. I saw him. Such a good guy. I had him when I was in the AHL with the Adirondack Phantoms. Mm -hmm. back, that was back before he made his big move to Anaheim and really took off his NHL career. But, um, I mean, think about that. McDavid, Dreisaitl, Julio um, Yarvi now, Nugent Hopkins, Lucic. How do they not? Have, how are they one of the worst power plays in the league? It's a good question. They have too, too much talent, and and a really good coach in McClellan. I think it would be McClellan's so a, bad. McClellan's a good coach, and he's someone who it's it's funny. Not funny is the wrong word because it's someone's job. Interesting. But it's it's interesting to see how someone who everyone is is pretty much agreed upon as a very good coach hasn't really been able to get the results. And they did last year. Yeah. And everybody thought they were going to have a big big turn of. You know, step forward this year, and I said on our broadcast and our pre-game show, and then again in the post-game is, you can't start three, six, and one in October, and expect, and they're not out of the playoff right, but they are such a steep hill to climb in a, and Bruce even said, look, the Pacific's not a great division, top to bottom, mm -hmm. so they have opportunities to take advantage of some bad teams. Arizona's one of those. Vancouver's maybe in that mix as well. Edmonton is in that mix as well, but. You know, you go three, six, and one. The Stars had seven more points than Edmonton in the first month. They've only expanded that lead by three before today's game. Now it's five. But it took November, December, and, and the first couple games in January. They only have three more points than Edmonton coming into today's game. Seven in the first month. That's a huge gap. That's a terrible start. Yep. Um, quick thing to end all of this. Um one bit I really liked tonight was typically when you have a reunion night. Party <laughs> Turco. And it's all about the positives for a guy. They did play a, a positive video. They did too. They did too. First one. They did. But the second tribute video for Marty Turco tonight when he dropped the face off. And I really wanted Ben Bishop and Cam Talbot to take the face off. Um, that would have been fun. That would have been fun. But weird, and they probably wouldn't ask the goalies that are trying to focus to do that. Cause I, think, that I, I think Bishop would have done it. You know why? Because it's out of the ordinary. I think Bishop would have done it. I don't yeah. know if, Cal if Talbot would have done it. Maybe. I don't know him that well. Um, they had the clip where a bunch of bad goals, um, including the uh, the famous clip where Datsuk kind of sends Turco flying to one side of the net. That's not fair because that's an incredible move. That's an incredible move. That's a fake forehand, backhand, toe drag, top shelf. I mean, that's there are a few guys in the NHL that can pull that move off. Yes, but yes, it doesn't I, make it was him a, look good. To the it's uh, not flattering. To the uh, you had a you had a bad day song. Bad day by Daniel Powder. Mm -hmm. I had to look it up because I forgot the artist, but I did remember him but, after looking it up. And then uh, they kind of they 
stuck with that going into the the, the alumni game afterwards, and when the kind of. If you thought that the tribute, the tri air quotes tribute video, was funny because it was a net, it was a, all of his mistakes, and then they put him on camera and interviewed him for a minute with Vern Fiddler and Selena Ray, the alumni game where they played Bad Day after every single shot, every goal that was in. I mean, it's alumni games. There's no defense. Mm -hmm. The goalies get lit up. Even Marty, who's by the way, hilarious. They give him a mic in his goalie gear. I want to ask. When does he graduate to the point where he doesn't have to play goalie anymore? Or does he like it? Because Ed Belfour will play, but he, he skates out. I don't think he's interested in putting goalie gear on again. Mm -hmm. And Dan Black Blackburn, also a former NHL goalie, was there, but he's not playing yeah, goalie gear. He was gear. skating out as well. Scored a nice goal. Mm -hmm. But when do, uh, Marty always play complains while they're doing that about getting tired and having to do this stuff. But I think he kind of likes it. You know how you can, you can tell, tell you his can, form's still there. You know how you can tell Marty likes it look because the, he complains. No, look at the pads he's wearing. The Michigan pads. He's getting new pads still. He likes getting the new gear. So it's, this is old stuff. This that's not old. No, th those are new. Those the pads he has have the Jumpman logo on them. So you're saying it's new new pads to look like the old Michigan colors. Yes. The fact I didn't he, notice that. Yeah. That's a goalie looking yeah. at that. The, the fact he's still getting new pads. <laughs> the fact, like if, if he was digging out the old uh, the old the uh, the Brian the the old the old uh, yeah. Was he, he Brian's guy? Or was he Heaton guy? He was a Reebok guy Re actually. If he was if he, if he was digging out the old Reeboks and and they were the old Stars pads and you're like oh these don't these actually no he's got new pads he he the fact that he's doing that tells me that Marty's still uh, so you're saying he actually really likes playing net and he's just sandbagging for the for the entertainment value yes we'll have to ask him sometime I bet you because I've I've skated out with Marty in some of the Stars employee tournaments and he can play. He can pass, shoot. I mean, we he told a great story to Scott Burnside in the article that they published. Was it yesterday? Yeah. About he skated his first Dallas Stars rookie camp as a forward. I don't think that would happen now. No. I think now it's things are a lot more formal. Yeah. But boy, he can play. Yeah. He can pass, shoot. I'd love to see him offensively with a microphone on. It'd be hilarious. Yep. But, but, I don't know. Anyway, entertaining, entertaining alumni game tonight. Nope, last uh, car cast for a week because we'll be back next Saturday. No games for a week. Next Saturday, but we'll be back at our time when the rest of you won't be on the road. It'll be later because it's an 8 o'clock yeah. start. It's the second half of the AAC doubleheader with the Mavericks playing in the afternoon. Morning skater for Sco. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's fabulous. Although, disappointing because I'd love to catch up with my old buddy Patrick Nemeth. Yes. Who I've had for years, starting with the AHL's Texas Stars. But, you know, hey... I to not have to drive downtown for a morning skate. Two thumbs up for that. Yeah, yeah. Didn't so. think about that. That's a nice, uh, always, nice tidbit. Always the silver linings, which means if you wanted to watch a morning skate, you could watch one next Saturday. Right, because morning skates are usually closed to the public at the AAC, but they are not. The Frisco Dr Pepper Star Center is usually open to the public. Correct. So, and it's a Saturday. Should be a. Bit, uh, I bet it'd be one of the more well-attended morning skates. And it's one of those where it's the last one before the team flies out for a road trip for a week. For uh, yep. And, uh, yeah, I'll actually be in on that road trip. I'll actually be there for the Columbus and Detroit games. Yeah, how about I that? I will have to drive home from those games myself and, I don't know, just talk to a microphone. Are you going to do a car cast on the road? I'll have a car. It'll feel like you're cheating on me a little bit. 
Will you have any companions? Or no, I'll, just be, I'll be by myself in a rental car. So you want to do a solo car cast? I don't think I can do that. You could. I could. I just don't think it'd be it's any good. It's you just you talking to yourself. It's like Colin Cowherd. I don't think I'd be any good at that, though. I'm not saying I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm just <laughs> not saying anything. This is where you're supposed to be nice about this. Oh, Sean, you'd be fabulous. <laughs> Go for it. I mean, technically, you could call me up and record. It would be awful because it would be me on speakerphone. In your car, in probably, my car, driving home. Yes. Right, I mean, it would be after the post game show, but it takes you time to do your posting. Yeah, and then you could record on the digital recorder, which is not great audio. Correct. And you would be on your speakerphone, right? So it would be speakerphone to speakerphone to digital recorder. It might sound atrocious. It might sound atrocious. But if you want to give it a shot, I'll be driving home. Who knows? Well, <laughs> everyone, uh, enjoy the bye week. Um, I guess. We could get in accidents in two separate locations in two different states <laughs> while talking on the car. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Okay. Every, everyone, uh, enjoy the bye week if you can. Uh, the hockey will be back in a week.